Welcome to Find the Outside the Podcast. We are in season three and it's a whole different cup of tea, isn't it? Right? So we're diving deep and uh, you are getting to witness and be in with the transitions that Tuesday and I are in, both as people but also as leaders of the organization. And uh, there's no doubt it's a pivotal time and you get to be in and witness some of the conversation we're having about what is the role that we will play in the future of the organization what that demands from us as we change. It's a theme running through season three, but uh, uh, we take a step further with it today. Enjoy. What if we did scenario? What if... (laughs) did scenario planning with the outsiders wouldn't that be cool would they, I, yeah exactly I would, I would love to do that right wouldn't that be fun that'd be great just to like okay what are four possible futures if we keep going the way we're going what would it look like uh-huh. you know if we pulled tim and tuesday out to a different you know to i don't know what would that look like you know uh-huh. if we focused on capacity building and built, a, built an academy what would that look like apart from the fact that Tuesday would hate it and uh, <laughs> and what if we completely when, focused on doing client work or something if we upped client right. work and downed capacity building or be fun right what if we what if we went over a model that's a more traditional consulting firm model right, right like <sighs> Well, we're into the podcast already, so we might as well just keep going. The the the, the kind of uh, invitation behind this podcast is, as you know, if you follow us, like we're in a we're in a we're in a transition, and one of the challenges we're faced with as we grow is how do we transition ourselves away from this being Tim and Tuesday centric in terms of kind of how we present ourselves, but also how we deliver the work, right? Because at the moment. Although we have incredibly competent, skilled, brilliant people working within the outside, it, there's always a way or a level in which Tuesday and I are involved in it, you know, and uh, and so we're exploring like, well, how do we do that? And of course, that can do lots of things in terms of um, centralizing the kind of power of the organization in some ways, and it can also drive up cost in a lot because right. of all the outsiders, we're the most expensive you know and so and so we're really just trying to think this through and, and we thought we might use this podcast just to imagine a little bit together what a different future might be what might it look like if we weren't embedded in everything that was happening at the outside how could we build it in a way that still felt good to us still felt right created the conditions for people to shine and all of that that's right. Created the conditions for people to shine, felt good to us, felt good to the people who work with us, felt good and respectful to clients. There's just a lot to consider. And I love this idea of how would we structure? How can we structure? Um, I was just smiling today because we gave, I think, probably the biggest budget we've ever proposed to a client uh, in the last week. And and of course, you know, one of the options to decrease the budget is not to have us involved that would decrease the budget. And so it's, uh, and I thought, oh, but this is like, I, I had this moment of like, oh, but this is like right on the edge work. 
we're doing. I think we have still so much to learn. Like, are we ready to hand it over or what's the way to not totally hand it over? I think there are a lot of questions, but I think it, for me, it's a question of structure and a question of culture, both. Um, Mm. But I'm interested in, you know, we can't keep thinking that we can do the same thing and it's going to change, right? It's like the, it's like that the we're lesson get we always less, learn. That we're going to get less exhausted. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that doesn't seem to make any sense. No. No, I definitely want to be a, on a trajectory where the work-life balance becomes more stable. Mm-hmm just as a person. Mm-hmm. And I feel at the moment it oscillates a lot. You know, there are periods where actually it never gets too little work, actually. <laughs> so by oscillation, I mean, things go down to a level where I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. And then and then they're up at a level where I really don't. Right. And then they go down to a level where I feel okay about it, feels about right. And then they oscillate up again to a level that it just doesn't feel good, yeah. you know, and doesn't feel right. And um, and I think a lot of that is to do with structure and culture. And, you know, we talked about, I think in the, when we've talked about kind of the outsider, one of the last podcasts about that we know that our culture of working, you and me, mm-hmm. is permissive. Mm-hmm. Not, and not even just permissive, encouraging of overworking, yeah. overworking others. That's of right. people of people we love and care about that we don't want to overwork. Don't copy mm-hmm. us. <laughs> you know. Right. Exactly. What? <laughs> right? Wait. I, but, I should not be your model. And yet yeah. I am by yeah. virtue of position and power and all of those things. And I think founder, that I just want being a founder. Yeah. DNA DNA, I, right? It's totally in our DNA. I found myself, it's so funny. This has been such an I'm just gonna take a little detour here. I was mm-hmm. thinking the other day about how, and maybe it was spurred by the retrospective that we did with the talk to all the outsiders, but I found myself the other day going like, I think it took me like a year into this organization for me to actually be like, oh, right. I lead this thing, right? Oh, I actually impact how this thing that we're building is going, which seems so unconscious of my own power to think like, wait, I get to make this decision. I remember thinking like we were talking about issues of equity and who was on the team. Right. And I just was like, wait, I can put a stake in the ground here. And I did. And it was like, I had never really considered that that was something I can do. And so there's some, I think there's a little bit of catch up for me here around understanding my power as a leader in this organization. Mm. Right. I think that that's, uh, I think that's not a traditional way I think of myself. And so, um, yes, our patterns, our habits, our DNA are throughout the organization. But I also think I'm just aware of some unconsciousness around power. Um, I just want to keep my eyes on or my attention to, right? I probably have more power than I think I do, which is inevitably the case, right? Inevitably, you talk to doctors, they think they have no power. They think the insurance companies have it. The insurance companies think the patients do or the government does. They, you know, I mean, everyone thinks they don't have the power they have. Anyway, that was a little detour. I don't think it's a detour. <laughs> I think it's right on it, you know. I mean, that because you, 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 you raised two things straight off the bat, right? You said uh, structure and culture. 
you know mm-hmm. and like as much as we're the founders of the structure we're the founders of the culture yeah 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 and um and i think we're at a point we're at one of those pivot points in the organization where we get to choose again yeah you know we get to choose again and we get to choose whether we and i think the further on the organization becomes maybe the harder it's going to be to bend it to our yeah to our will (laughs) the harder it will be to bend it to our will you know and so there's that founding energy which has Mm -hmm. been like which has been like an explosion you know or a i don't know something and which i uh, love yeah it was really exciting is really exciting you know incredibly generative right Mm -hmm. um and then but we that can't you can't sustain it you can't sustain a hundred meter sprint you know no nope. like you don't run a hundred meter sprint the same way you run a 1500 meter race i'm just thinking my son ollie's in track at the moment so i'm thinking about ah. races. he's choosing his distance you know because yeah. i used to, i always used to run the 400 and uh oh okay yeah yeah that was my race you know you you would run fast but consistently Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then vomit at the end <laughs> sounds fun i know right oh but gosh. like literally like it was just like you know, i nearly always was like oh my god um so it's just i don't know what pattern that says um so but i think it is it's like it's like oh now we get to choose again you, you, you know what i mean and so mm-hmm. i think when we start thinking about the scenarios for the future it's like what is the culture that we want Mm-hmm. what's the uh, you know and i don't know you know what's the business model that enables that right and what are we right. willing to surrender for that you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah and what do we have to be responsible to mm. for that both mm. i feel inclined to tell you i know we're on a roll and mark can cut no. this out but i just feel like i want to tell you because you just mentioned track and you said mine was 400 and ollie's picking his because i i think i'm still like you know how you just like process things later i ran track for oh, nice. a year did you know this no. I, and i can't tell you what my race was i know i did the 800 oh but i can't tell you what my race was because the track coach never once spoke to me <gasps> never said one word to me the whole season just didn't talk to me isn't that horrible that is horrible can you imagine no i talked to my kids about that like is the coach paying attention to you is he pretending but you know i was like the only black kid in a very rural area and so i just kind of like would find out things from other runners but he never once spoke to me it's outrageous it's outrageous yeah i don't know why i wanted to tell you that story i guess because it just came up and you're my friend Mm. isn't that wild yeah it's totally Mm. wild hmm I think I was just having some sense of what, what are you well, laughing at? It's like the, it's, it's like, uh, it, it may, just not seeing color <laughs> or seeing color and ignoring it. And right. Just like, yeah. Well, I, I think I've but been it, I was laughing because it reminded me of that phrase. Oh, I don't see color, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. maybe you just don't see people. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you just don't but see I, people of color. Yeah, I think I was thinking about this the other day because I saw a meme, you know, because the Derek 
I'm so sorry. I'm taking us so off. The Derek Chauvin case is happening in Minneapolis right now, mm. right? So the yeah, cop. Yeah, that's right. I've like, been following really it. Happening. And so we have a lot of focus on the police and things like that. But uh, I saw a meme recently that was like, like the men became police and firemen and the women became teachers, right? Like mm. white women became teachers. And so like, that's who's teaching your children. And that's certainly my experience, right? It was often just horrific racism by my mm. teachers that wouldn't like, it's not at all. I think in the dialogue we're having around race, it's like, because of course having your neck stepped on until you die is worse than being ignored by your track coach. Right. Those are, those are not those magnitudes of difference, but I was just thinking about the pernicious and pervasive ways. And also how my kids, you know, don't seem to, that doesn't seem to be happening right now. So I want to be also careful because like my kids are like, no, of course my coach talks to me. Of course, you know, they don't, they don't seem to have that experience at all. I've taken us around the bend. I feel a little bit like I should ask Mark to cut this out and we should go well, back I've really to what noticed, we're on. Maybe. I've really noticed with my kids that they just like the fluidity of gender that's in society right now doesn't face them at all. Not one no. bit. It's just part of their lexicon. It's part of their life. You know, there's not even a thing. They don't even have to think about it. You know? No. I got and, on my and, son and, the and other so, day. So it's, it's just interesting how these things do evolve, yeah. you know, right? They yeah. really do evolve. Mm. I think that's mm. really, that's great. That's something for us to keep in mind in that long arc of history. I was laughing because I got, I got on my son the other day for being on his phone. And he was like, mama, he's like, my friend just came out as trans. I got to respond. Came out on a text. I'm like, well, did everyone respond well? He's like, yeah, wasn't a surprise. And he's like, then there were like 30 texts of everyone being very supportive. Can you imagine if you yeah. were younger? So yeah, things do change. Right. But I think that the the, the kind of the, the track, the kind of like shift. I mean, it, for me, although we're doing it in a roundabout oblique way, which is really rooted in complexity science. Um, That's right. Oblique angles. That's right. To the problem. Um, <laughs> I would say <laughs> Brona would be very proud of us. Um, I feel like we're just doing a really great job here. Yeah. Uh, the Even though we're coming at it obliquely, we are talking about the culture of the organization we'd like to have. You know, what, what kind of race are we running here? And what right. speed and what speed does it demand? You know, and how do we want to feel at the end? You want to run a four hundred where you're vomiting? You know, are we even running a competitive race? You know, well, I just or, or are we just going for yeah. a nice cross, cross? Maybe we're just going for a walk in the woods, or maybe we're going a cross country run. I mean, you know, but also like, what's the culture that we're creating within oh. the organization? I, I love that, Tim, because I feel like you, um, well, I do think it actually has directly to deal with, because I feel like often I'm just like running the race I was told to run. Mm. I don't pause and stop and think, is this the race I want to run? Mm. Is this what I want? I mean, like, I think as I get older and more and more, but I feel like you're a good interrupter of that. Like, what actually race are we running? Is this what we want to do? I think we're trail runners and then mostly walkers. Like, what is, but is, is what we're doing mm. reflecting that? Are we reflecting, I think in all the ways our work is reflecting where I want to be in terms of like the audacity of the work, the people we're working with, what we're taking on, 
all that feels like, yep, that's the race I want to run. Hmm. But in an ultra marathon, hardly anyone runs the whole time. They walk up the hills because that's the smart thing to do. Hmm. Right. I think I don't question the, I question the pace personally, but I don't know that I question the pace organizationally or structurally or, you know, like what, what oh, could that's we really do? That's really interesting. What could hmm. we do? Maybe the pace of the organization is demanding something of a change of pace personally. Hmm. You know? Maybe, maybe for the first time, it isn't us driving it, the changes, mm-hmm. you know, in many ways, I think we've driven a lot of this over the last three years, but I mean, not that we haven't listened to need from our clients right. and in our world and from, I mean, like, I think we're very attentive and very participatory in how we approach things. I really, really, really do. I want to, I want to honor that we haven't been on some mm-hmm. egotistical sprint. Right, for sure. Which I think can be the nature of some of the founding enterprises that happen, you know. But maybe this is a point at which the organization is now asking something of us rather than us asking something of, maybe the outside's Mm -hmm. asking something of us rather than us asking something of the outside, you know. What do you think that is? Say, I want you to, I want you to begin to speculate what we might be being asked. Oh, gosh, choose. I think the outside is becoming a a home for more people than I ever imagined at different levels and layers of intensity of relationship from the mm-hmm. people who follow this podcast. Thanks for following us through to the people who work really closely with us to the people who read our material and take guidance from the resources that we put out there in terms of their delivery to people who use what we do to advance their professional lives as educators, to online course participants. I mean, I I don't think I ever quite understood the breadth of the home, house, family, Mm. community, relationships, Mm. network we were building, you know. Um, What I did know was that I wanted something different in my own life. Mm. that I wasn't going to be satisfied doing three-day trainings until I died, even if I could make a living doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in a, in a funny way, like the organization was born out of a quite selfish desire, a quite fundamentally entrepreneurial desire to test an idea, you know? So I think if I had one hypothesis at this point, it's that we're being asked to step back and create the conditions for many other people to lead rather than to be the people who are leading. And I don't mean that just in relationship to clients. I mean that in relationship to outsiders, the broader community we work with. I just have a, you know, some of the stuff I've most enjoyed recently has been like coaching people, has been able, like not actually realizing what I know until someone mm. says, oh, I some, you're talking to them and you say, I say something that I think is completely obvious to me. And they're like, oh, <laughs> you know, and um, 
And so I think I, I, I think we don't know what we know. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think I think at minimum, at the highest level, I think the outsider is asking us to consider our role in relationship to the work, and by that I mean the work at hand with our clients and partners, but also the work in terms of the longer arc of history. You know, so I feel like we're I feel like we're being asked to question that, you know, and review that. And say, well, where would we be most helpful here? What could the outside become a container for, truly? You know, is it a container for Tim and Tuesday to lead? And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, is this where you and I get to continue taking on bigger and bigger projects? So we only do one a year, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a big team around us helping us deliver those, you know? Um, it, What's the balance between us leading and others being given the conditions to lead? I have no idea. But I think, I mean, these are like, this is just Tim's internal dialogue you're mm-hmm. getting now. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I think we're being asked to consider our role, you know, as founders and as leaders and to understand the impact of our decisions. And um, And I think that's new for me really as someone you know i've always lived and worked in networks you know mm-hmm. but i've been a been a node you know and here it's different you know it's different than that i'm not a node nope i don't no, know what i am outside. But, i think yeah. in some ways the outside is a node mm, there we go yeah there we are wow mm. What do you think the outside's asking of us right now? What are the scenarios you paint in your mind? Yeah. Well, I think that you've really identified the pivot, right? I think we are at a pivot point. And I think like it feels like the basic question we could ask is do we want to get bigger? Mm. Right? Or do we want to stay smaller? And maintain sustain deepen or do we want to grow broaden um kind of like expand not at the expense of depth because i think there'll be a ton of learning should we decide that we would right so it's not it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's a deep or wide i would not want to that's not the characterization, but I do at all. But I do think we're at a we're at a point of like, what is it that we want to? What is it that we want to? We both said really clearly we don't want to grow a consulting firm. So if we're gonna grow, why, why? And um, and I can think of all sorts of reasons. Uh, I, I think I'm I might be unsatisfied if we just chose to stay the course and maintain and sustain. Might be. I don't have to think about it. So I think that's. A question in front of us, um, uh, mostly because I've enjoyed this period of growth so much. I'm enjoying the people so much. I'm enjoying what we're doing so much. I have trouble. I'd have to be really clear how my ambition would be served by like staying. Just to be perfectly honest, um, and but I was really struck because I think that is you and I right now. So I think the outside. In some ways, it's like, do we grow and expand, 
or do we kind of settle in and deepen? And again, I don't, I want to be clear that I'm not putting a value judgment that if we stay how we are, we actually deepen versus expanding. But I think it is a question of role. But I think when I heard you say, do we step back? I actually, I feel like that, that conception doesn't work for me, us stepping Mm. back. I feel like if we're to reach our next leadership, it actually isn't because we're like you, like this. I'm making a motion, listeners, where it's like, you know, kind of like backing off and opening and expanding, which is a beautiful motion, right? To give space to. Absolutely. Uh, I feel like when you said that, I was like, oh, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in, in stepping up. And I think that's a different, there's something different. I think it will cause my leadership, me to t- take leadership in a way that I haven't before, but I don't I don't know what that looks like, which I think is part of the problem. I have a sense that it's time for our leadership role to change, but I do not have a clear sense like what the stepping up looks like. And I'm pretty clear it's not just a stepping back. Mm. Um, yeah, me too. And so I don't, I mean, I just like, I just really don't, I don't know. And that I think is part of the challenge. And yes, today I was free writing. We're doing this book chapter and like part of our assignment is to free write and uh, so today I was free writing and I was like, I keep getting fooled at the urgency, right? It's all like, oh, this has to be done by now and this has to be done and we can't possibly do this and we can't. I just thought I just keep getting fooled by the urgency, even though like the a key part of me understands that like that is not what's going to get us, us being writ large, us human beings to our next evolution, right? Just continuing to like push harder, push faster, do more, can't. So that's why I came in our meeting to like, this is all, this timeline is all our choice. Mm-hmm. Everything we're doing is our choice. So um, there's something for me around, and it probably has to do with the conversation we had earlier. Like I'm like, well, that's probably not going to happen in the next month. I think it could happen. But like where, when I think about our role, I feel inclined to like figure it out, push it, push it, push it. And in my writing today and just in the conversations I've been in today, I'm like, I think to go up to my next level of evolution and leadership probably actually requires not pushing harder, but some slowing down some pausing to get my bearings that the pace we're at yeah I just got to make some decisions or I have to the urgent I keep getting not the pace right I keep getting fooled by urgency Hmm. just keep getting fooled Hmm. does that make any sense to you at all yeah 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 so um I'm as much sense as I'm making to myself, mate, you know, and uh, I mean it like, yeah, thank you. Like you're, you're advancing how I think about everything in relation to this topic. And so um, I love this idea of stepping back because this isn't just about hosting space, right? It's about, uh, you know, hosting space for emergence of others and the irrepressible spirit of life to quote things we might have said 15 years ago um or at least i might have said you would you would have just rolled your eyes 
And then I would have, uh, but then I would have wanted to work with you, and it would have been wonderful. <laughs> yeah, totally, I've always liked you, Mary. Oh. Even when you say things like that, yeah. Even and especially then, when you say things like that. That's right. Um. Uh. My my daughter has a great T-shirt which says on it, "Did I just roll my eyes out loud?" <laughs> <laughs> Like a good t-shirt. Um, so, uh, so I love this idea of stepping up rather than out, you know, because of course what stepping up does is it still makes space for others to step into. Um, and so I like that. And I think that's a key role for us. It's mm-hmm. almost by like stepping up. We actually drag others up too. If there's, you know, and I, and I, and I, when you say up, I think about the scale of picture we can hold, mm. you know? Mm. So like for me, when you talk about stepping up, that's really beginning to work on some of the macro strategic level, um, uh, with some of the senior leaders we're working in, there's longer rhythms between those meetings, but the decisions that are made are a very significant import to the work as a whole. Um, what I find uh, at the pace of work we are at right now is that I get very little space to be generative. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I think that's what I've enjoyed so much about the kind of launch as the outside was how generative it mm. was, you know. And the thing about me is, is that I'm going to be generative whether I make time for it or not. So if I don't get to be generative during my workday, I'm going to be up at 3 a.m. Drawing yes, pictures, are. drawing pictures and coming up with ideas. And do you know what I mean? Cause like, it's just like, I am I'm a, like, I'm a jet, I'm generative, you know, not always with mm-hmm. good ideas, but like every now and then a good one pops out and we can roll with it, you know? And right. And, and so, well, that's true. Right. I mean, we've got to be honest. I mean, just being generative doesn't necessarily mean it's I all think good, you know? the vast majority of your ideas are good ones though. Just that's to be just like, it's, it's not like, Every one in ten. It's like Maybe. nine in ten. Well, I mean, I highly doubt that. Not for a minute. Nine out of ten. <laughs> Seven point five. I won't go you any know, lower. I love, you. I love you for saying that. You're a good person and a good friend. And so, um, uh, so I think it does. Like, I actually to be able to hold a bigger picture, mm-hmm. to be able to hold those really big strategic arcs that stretch. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. those senior leaders meetings we're doing around these initiatives have three months between them and they're holding arcs that are two years long, five years long, 10 years long in terms of the strategies that are unfolding, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I find to be able to hold that kind of a bigger picture, I need more space. Mm-hmm. I can't Without see it. Doubt. I can't see it if I'm busy. I can't see it if I'm rushing from one thing to the next, y- you know. It's actually the bigger picture I want to hold as a leader, the more space I need to have in my life. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough. Yeah. You know, but then, so the, but the more senior leader-ish you are, the more you get paid. But, right. But, but here's the contradiction I've been struggling with because, oh, so what I'm saying is I need to work less. So I see a bigger picture more, but like I, I get paid more than everybody else. So how can I possibly work less? That 
That doesn't feel yeah. right to me. Right. And yeah. then I get right back to what I value. You know, do I value busyness? Is busyness the greatest value? Is every minute of every day packed with meetings, meaning I'm earning my value? Right. Yeah. And and so... And it's already struck a nerve there. But there is a value, right? There is a value to that, you know? I can be I can be very fucking productive, you know? And I can actually be in meetings all day. And even though I'll be exhausted at the end of the day, I'll have contributed to all of those meetings usefully. And so, uh, but it's not actually that fulfilling for me. Right. It's not even, I think, what the outside wants from me or us. Yeah. Or even needs yeah. from me or us right now. Yeah. You know, and uh, I don't know. That's me. That's as far as I can take it right now. But I just I'm appreciating this conversation. Me too. Me too. Because I feel like the lifelong, the lifelong pattern. Like we're just talking about all this, and it's true. And like just, but the lifelong pattern. I can like you know you just like you have your things. You have your patterns. The things you're gonna have to interrupt for the rest of your life. And mine is like proving my value. Like I'm, I'm, I get better at it and then I lose it again. And I like, oh wait, I'm on that treadmill of proving my value again. And, um, number one, uh, I, I'm curious how the culture, the organization reflects that DNA. Uh, having, having to want prove, it to, having to prove right? value. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't want right. it to. Right. I don't want it to, but I'm just aware. Uh, and, um, you know, one of the things I, yeah, that's like a pattern. It's just like, it's a, it's a really, I'm in this word pernicious today. It's a really pernicious, pernicious pattern. Yeah. I like it. That's my word today. It's this is really pernicious pattern of value and, and how does that go with our principle of generosity? I don't think we have a principle of ease. I'm curious about thinking about how we could move that into our principles. What? Right? A <laughs> principle of, you mean a principle of laziness? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, that's how that's, I would have said it. Because that's what I heard, just to be clear. <laughs> I'm yeah. principle of laziness. I know. I would have... I would have heard it that way until just 10 seconds ago. So I'm just like beginning to interrogate that a little bit. Um, uh, So I, yes, uh, because I, you know, one of the things we have said, you and I, Tim, like we don't want to be afraid of making money. And uh, so I just like, I'm just like, oh, right. Because you said that I get paid more. I should work more. Like, yeah, I, that's completely the way I've been thinking about things. So I have a question about that. Like, can Mm. I allow any ease? And can Mm. I allow ease that doesn't feel like it's on the back? of other outsiders hmm. right what is that you know because that's also really important to me and um and i this just occurred to me and it's just like kind of a sideways thing because i thought about like oh what if we do this step up and we hold a bigger scale and we're meeting with people less i don't have any concern about the work getting done well the question i wanted to ask you which I think points to the question I wanted to ask you about that was like, well, how do you and I keep learning? We learn so much in these projects through trial and error. What is the mechanism for us not to become disconnected and learn? And so that, to, like, that doesn't feel like because, an insolvable problem. Because that feels now like we can solve that. Well, right. Because now it's not about you and me learning. 
It's about the outside right. learning. Right. And so then, right. Right. Because right? so it becomes, right. how does the outside learn? How does the outside learn from us taking a, a higher strategic leadership role? Right. How do we make sure the outside is learning from those who are in direct day-to-day delivery partnership? How is right. the, so it's actually a, because we've been in this because we've been learning so much. Right. Learning is like our crack. I'll stay in anything to learn. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. I love it, in fact. Right. It. So how is the outside yeah. learning? How is learning shared across the organization? Because I do imagine our role going forward, even if it's stepping up, I imagine that role will absolutely be our articulation of the learning. I don't have any doubt that that's how that's going to be part of our role going forward. We, you and I, oh, the I skills see. we yes. have need to be articulating the learning of the organization. I talked yeah. to someone last week and I talked about prototyping. I'm already like, I can feel it though. I talked about prototyping in a way that feels deeply related to that large project we were in for two years, but I actually didn't support the prototypes, no. right? I just learned from our developmental evaluation team. So it's completely possible. So, but what, but we have to have the mechanism in. And I don't think at this moment, because we, we, we have the learning because we're so involved in projects, we move up, we're going to have to, we're going to have to build in structures and mechanism for all of us to learn. Because I think what we're hearing now, even in the retrospective is people not being clear around not just like who's doing what, but. Which is, which has been feedback too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which has been feedback, which is fair. But if people don't know who's doing what, then they certainly don't know what each other's learning. Yeah. We just Well, in a funny way, I, in a funny way, we've created lots of collective spaces where learning can happen, right? You know, but it's, but um, I wonder if there isn't an interim phase where we're learning um, through supporting others deliver the work. Yeah. That like, we're actually yeah. coaching, we're actually coaching folks, you know, and there's as much of us sharing our gift as there is helping them navigate the complexity of the work they're in. So it's not right. like we lose touch, but our role right. in relationship direct delivery changes, you know? Right. So I think there's a direct piece there. And then I think there's there may well be a tie-in, which we haven't done well yet, right? Between the strategic level of leadership on these initiatives and the developmental evaluation team, you know? And the, like, what's the cycle there? What's the, like... How's there a tighter cycle there that, that, that what we're learning isn't just feeding back to the initiatives. It's not just feeding back to the prototypes and to the core teams, but actually it's feeding back into those, onto that strategy level too. And so, right. yeah. Right. And, and I just frankly have not done that without being really deeply involved in the work. Hmm. Have it. Hmm. I think we can. I think we're going to have to. We can't be deeply involved in all the work. Blah. No. Can't happen. We should end the podcast there. Exactly. That's great. We probably should end the podcast, however. Yeah, we should. Hey, friends, thanks for traveling with us. So here's the thing. The song is called Cedro. It stands for cedar, but that is a word for cedar in Spanish and Portuguese. I believe the song is in Spanish but I don't speak either language. 
But the why I like it so much is it's beautiful. It's a it's a beautiful guitar based song. It's really just gentle and sweet. <laughs> to me right now is because, you know, of course I'm developing this relationship with Cedar that I started last fall. I really am trying to move into relationship with that particular plant. So I got a cedar tree that I planted in my front yard and I have done cedar tea with it and I burn cedar the way that some folks burn sage. It's a really beautiful um, being and it's a it's considered a grandmother tree and so its char- characteristics or its qualities are um, protection and strength and forgiveness so it's just this really beautiful I burn it every day um, and I just love it I don't know that I'll ever you know I feel like oh I started I I felt like I started with cedar because it's so beautiful, but I feel like I don't know that I'm ever going to move on. I feel like this is a plant that just kind of keeps giving to me. Like I don't feel like moving on. I just like the cedar. I like the tea. I like what happens to me when I try to embody that particular tree. And so this is called Cedro and it's by, um, it's by a man named Rainer Schurenbrand. Nice. And so Cedar, Cedar has found you. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Oh, hey, when I go home, I'm in Boston right now, and I'm driving home on Sunday to Ohio, and I'm going to drive by Kelly McGowan's, and apparently a storm came, and her cedar tree was knocked down, so she's giving me some cedar from her tree, and she made me a cedar crown, and it's like, it's lovely. That's awesome. I yeah. love it. How about you? What's your poem? Well... It's, I'm going to read the opening from uh, the, the Ruins of Empires, oh, which is by okay. Akala, or Akala. I've heard his name said both ways. Okay. And he's a British uh, spoken word poet, uh, hip-hop artist, musical artist, writer, philosopher, um, incredible man. Uh, mm. And Carl just gave me this um, for Christmas, and I haven't turned to it yet. But uh, the opening, I think, is quite powerful and maybe a good way to start. And it's called the the it's it's called the Ruins of Empires, and it's a kind of long piece of poetic writing and graphic novel. So it's got incredible mm. images all the way through it, but it's almost written like a, a rhyming epic. Mm, okay. Yeah. So there's a knowledge seeker in the pyramids in Egypt. And he says, these ancient ruins, do you have the authority to teach plainly freedom and equality? You show us ancient states. Let us peer at their mistakes through the windows of these crumbling bricks that once were palace gates. 
where once were grand galleries, now just silent death. Kings and slaves alike, both are buried flesh. Golden spices were traded here for the finest silks known to man, and learned men traded ideas through books written hand. Here, grand galleries and sculptures used to stand, all easily washed away like footprints in the sand. This is ugly to my eyes, but stimulating to my meditation. I wonder, is this the fate of our nation? I wonder what is wrong with us. Why do we blame creation? How could a God that only creates be the source of devastation? The stars have not changed their course, nor the earth its motion, and pride always predates a fall and the worst commotion. The universe was governed by laws before the pens of men. These crumbling ruins stand as a testimony defending them. Does fate author destruction or that our law is corruption that causes the cities of men to be turned to nothing? As I sit in these crumbling bricks, pondering crumbling wits, filled with a sudden mix of questions needing another fix, here appears the genius that I've seen in my mind, like a guiding spirit or intuition personified. Oh dear genius, please tell me the source. What is the wellspring from which fortune and misfortune are born? Why is it that war, famine and death visit people in turns, but still we never learn? It seems we'll forever burn. Then the genius spoke to me and said, Dear disciple of truth, wisdom is the fruit. You can only know what's true if you examine the root. Peace and happiness visit the home built from bricks of justice, and the throne that is built from the same is never rusted. So rise above your senses, young one. It's a must. And it goes on and on and on, but that's the opening text. Whoa. Wonderful, huh? Yeah. Really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh, you know that's what? so good. It made so me many think... beautiful lines in that, right? Oh my gosh. She's such a writer. It's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And the art it the art in the book is really incredible. I mean, I know the listeners can't see it, but it's just incredible. Wow. Wow. Uh, all the way through it, you know. Wow. That one's super intense. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a it's a remarkable it's a remarkable piece of art, the whole thing. You know. Hmm. I'm just feeling really grateful for our friends. Yeah, hey. Just this last moment. That's good. I think that's it. All right. Thanks, friends. Have a good one. You know where you can find us. And we look forward to seeing you again.